we talk about the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord, Lord of Lords. And so uh, since, since in three weeks we have the children's program, and that day I only just say a, a much briefer message, and then the following Sunday candlelight service, uh, I have a message for that. It just se- seems good that let's take some time this Sunday and next to go through the birth of Jesus. What do you say? Is that all right? And so, I, like I said, I feel, feel directed to the Spirit of God just to look at some things and some things maybe we, we've not looked at as we should maybe have over the years about the birth of Jesus. And um, so this two-part series, we're going to call it The Birth of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so let us, first of all, before I give you the first verse, let me ask you, does anybody know why Jesus was born? Does anybody know why he came? Anybody have any? Now raise your hand if you, if you think you know. All right, let's see. Lucia, why do you think? To save us from our sins. That's absolutely very good. Anything else? Uh, Bonnie? He came to fulfill the word of God that was given in the Garden of Eden. Okay, that's, that's good too. Anybody else have anything? Why Jesus was born? Diane? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son Okay, John 3.16. And those are all right. Those are all good. Um, a real good verse, though, too, to look at on this is 1 John 3 and 8. 1 John 3 and 8, the last part of that verse. 1 John 3 and 8. <clears throat> For this, let's look at the last part of that verse, middle middle. Start in the middle and just the last part of it. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. And of course, we see the work of the devil all the way back in the Garden of Eden, don't we? When he tempted the woman, you know, and she ate of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and gave to her husband there with her. You know, he ate in the fall of man, and, and, and that was Satan's work, wasn't it? He, he was in there and came in the form of that serpent, you know, the serpent cooperated with him and so forth, and, and then we see the debacle that it's caused over all these, these millennia, and, uh, but for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, and everything that y'all said was just exactly right. What you all was were, were mentioning, what the different ones said, was just a, a, a result of what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. And Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, let me ask you another question. Does anybody know what the first words of Jesus were in the New Testament. The first words that Jesus spoke that we have record of in the New Testament. The first words, Chris, I must be about my father's business. And that is a a good answer, but those are the second words. So you were close, not the first. The first word, now... Now, he spoke that at 12 years old in the temple. I must be about my father's business. 
Remember when, when they left him? Well, he, he lingered behind. Remember that? After about three days, his mom and dad is looking for him. Right? Is that right? Joseph and Mary. Now, we know Joseph wasn't his real natural father. We're going to talk about that as we go. But they found him in the temple. And, and uh, can you imagine Jesus being chided by his mother? Where have you been? And he said, you, you know, I must be about my father's business. Those were the second words. Does anybody know the first words? And don't say goo goo ga ga when he was laying there in the, in, the, in the manger. We don't know that he said goo goo ga ga. He probably did. Yes? Why are you searching for me? No. I mean, he, he, he said that. Why? Something along those lines. But I think that, that was right there in the temple, wasn't it? At 12 years. So, so that would kind of go along with Chris's answer. And that's very good. Second, second words he said, though. Those were like the second words. Why do you seek me? Must be about my father's business. So I'd kind of group your answer with Chris's. The same thing. But those are the... No one knows the... I, I, I didn't either until, until somebody asked this years ago. And I gave the same answers y'all gave. And second words. First words he spoke in the New Testament are found in the book of Hebrews. The 10th chapter and the 5th verse. Hebrews 10.5 Therefore when he came into the world talking about when Jesus came into the world he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire talking to the heavenly father but a what? A body you have prepared me. Those were the first words. Now you say wait a minute Pastor Terry hold on. Jesus spoke those words? Yeah, he did. He spoke them before he was conceived in his mother's womb. You say, how can that be? Well, the reason that is, is that Jesus is God. And you need to understand, and I think most of you do, but it's good to review this. Jesus did not begin to exist in the manger of Bethlehem. You understand that? He has always been, he always is, and he always will be. And the Bible says he's, he created all things. The Heavenly Father, through him, created, th- created all things. You understand that? So, so Jesus has always been. And uh, he, he spoke these words actually before he was conceived in his mother's womb. Further proof of the virgin birth. You know that, 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 that and we'll talk about the virgin birth here next, but, but do you all realize Jesus has always been? See, a lot of people, a lot of people think, I because th- we don't think about it as we should, they think, well, he just came into existence there in, in Bethlehem. No, folks, he took on human form in Bethlehem. He took on human form. Actually, he took on human form nine months before Bethlehem when he was conceived in his mother's womb, okay? But before he was conceived in his mother's womb and took on flesh, right? Here it says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body, notice that, a body. A body you have prepared me. A physical body. And the second member of the Trinity, 
God. How many of you know the Father, the Son? What was Jesus called before he was called Jesus? We're going to look at that here in a minute. In the Holy Spirit, you know. But that second member took on human form and a body had been prepared for him. Actually, that body had been prepared for him before the foundation of the earth because the Bible said that before the foundation of the, of, of, of the world, he was what? The lamb slain, right? So that body had been prepared for him and, and he, 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 the second member of the Trinity took on human form and uh, that body was prepared and that body was prepared for him to die on the cross. You need to realize that. That body was prepared for him to die on the cross and to shed sinless blood so that you and I could be saved. Okay? Now, this leads us to the virgin birth. And you all know what a virgin birth is, right? How many of you know there's only been one of them? And that... that and, 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 and the ver- uh, to, to have a virgin birth is that, that a woman would have to get pregnant without the seed of the man. And you and, all, you and I both know that's impossible, isn't it? It's totally impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And there's only been one virgin birth, only one. And there'll only be one. And that's, that's when, when, when Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb. Now, Isaiah 7 verse 14 talks about this. It says, the Lord will give you a sign. Now, this, <laughs> this is a sign, all right. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, And we'll see here in a moment what Emmanuel means, but you probably know it means what? God with us. And that's what happened when when Jesus was born, God came among us. It's interesting as you study the religions of the world, as I studied those in college, many of them, and religion, see Christianity is not a religion. A religion has been made out of it. But Christianity is a relationship with with God, you see, through Jesus Christ, His Son. But you see, all the religions, if you really study them, we say, what makes Christianity different? Well, much we could say the virgin birth makes it different than the other religions. And the, the resurrection from the dead, when Jesus was raised from the dead, makes it different. But But basically, you could say this, all the religions of the world what 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 they're doing is what they're doing is they're <clears throat> they're building they're trying to build a bridge from earth to heaven but christianity what god did is he built a bridge from heaven to earth he came down among us to save us see religions of the world basically what you have there is they're working to get to heaven but in Christianity, God did the work and came down to us. All we have to do is believe and receive. Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful, isn't it? So a virgin, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, 
you also need to realize that Christianity, a lot of times people say, well, Christianity hangs upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that's true. But, but you have to understand that before you can get to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you have to have the virgin birth. You absolutely have to have the virgin birth. If you don't have the virgin birth, Christianity collapses and is powerless and uh, isn't worth a hoot. You need to understand that. And a lot of times that gets overlooked. You see, and let me just read from my notes here. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, the virgin birth is meaningless. Without the virgin birth, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is powerless. Now, if you're taking notes, I'll say that again. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, the virgin birth is meaningless. Without the virgin birth, the death and resurrection of Jesus is powerless. You need to realize that. The virgin birth is all important. Now, why is the virgin birth so important? It's because God in the virgin birth, bypassed the sin nature. He bypassed the sin nature. You see, and we'll look at a verse here in a moment that, that, that from Genesis bears this out. But how many of you know when Adam and Eve sinned, they sold all of us into the slave market of sin, didn't they? And a slave can't free a slave. You have to have someone that's free of sin to save people that are in sin. Do you understand that? And so in order for God to do that, he had to bypass the sin nature, the the fallen nature that was in man. And how did he do that? He did that with the virgin birth. And through the virgin birth, what happened was, is God was able to get himself into the earth in in the form of Jesus. And so doing, in so doing, he bypassed the sin nature. He bypassed that fallen nature, you see. And so Jesus was completely and totally free of sin. No sin in him at all. The blood that coursed through his veins, how many of you know it was human blood? It was. It was human blood, right? Because he was 100. See, Jesus was 100% human and 100% God. You understand that? And his blood... Of course, through his veins was human blood, of course, but it was sinless blood. It was the blood of the Son of God, sinless blood. That's why the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can wash away sins. Isn't that wonderful to know that? See, so God bypassed the sin nature and the fallen nature through the virgin birth. And you must have the virgin birth because if you don't have the virgin birth then Christianity falls apart. And without the virgin birth, his death, burial, and resurrection is powerless. You must have the virgin birth. It's vitally important. You understand that? You okay? The virgin birth. I'm glad Jesus was born of a virgin. You know, there's a lot of people don't believe in the virgin birth. You know, there, there, there are some, some churches, <laughs> and, and Christian churches that don't accept the virgin birth. 
Did you, how can you, you can't have Christianity without the virgin birth. Is that right? So it's important to understand what God was doing. And see, a lot of folks don't understand why the virgin birth was important. Do you understand now why it was important? That, that God bypassed the sin nature. He bypassed the fallen nature. And Jesus, you see, when he was born, he was sinless. And how many of you know that as he lived his life, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, he never sinned. Had he sinned one time, his blood would have become tainted and we'd have all been lost. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that something to think about? But he never sinned one time. And so when he went to the cross, his blood that he shed was absolutely, totally free of sin. And the Bible says we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Why was it precious? Because there was no, there was no sin. It's wonderful, isn't it? Now... Notice Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. Remember, right after Adam and Eve sinned, God came in there to the garden, you know, was looking for him and so forth, and we won't go through all of that. But he began to, and you know, the wages of sin is death, and he told them, in the day that you eat of that tree, you'll surely die, and they did, and all of that. And God began saying some things to the man, the woman, and so forth. But when he got to the serpent, which is, representative of the devil he said this in Genesis 3.15 God said I'll put enmity between you talking to the serpent which is symbolic of the devil between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed now you see that right there indicates the virgin birth see the virgin birth was preached you need to realize Jesus has been preached from the garden of Eden all the way down to the present hour how did they get saved in the Old Testament Pastor Terry by looking forward to Jesus' coming looking forward to the Messiah's coming how do we get saved in the new on this side of the cross by looking backwards to the cross see in the Old Testament they look forward to the cross New Testament we look backward to the cross but it's always been Jesus his virgin birth his death burial and resurrection you see and so right there when God said her seed he's talking about the virgin birth because you see women don't have seed where does the seed come from it comes from the man And so right there, when he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and, between your seed and her seed, he's talking about Jesus there. He's talking about the virgin birth. And notice, he goes on to say, he shall bruise your head. He'll bruise your head. Talking about Jesus will come and bruise your head. Well, didn't we see that in the opening passage? Why was the Son of God manifested? Why did he come? That he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. Is that right? And we see that here because God the Father told the serpent, who's symbolic of the devil, that this seed of the woman, who's the virgin-born Son of God, will bruise his head. How many of you know Jesus bruised his head all right? I said he bruised his head. When Jesus 
was raised from the dead. The Bible said he spoiled principalities and powers. He destroyed the power of the devil. The Bible says he stripped the devil. He disarmed him. He brought him to naught. Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely. He, he, the Bible says he came out of the tomb and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. He said, I have the keys of hell and of death. How many of you remember that? And he stripped the devil. Absolutely. And then, not only that, but if you spin ahead in time, you go ahead in time, you're going to see that there's going to come a time when Jesus returns, not in the rapture, but about seven years later at the second coming, where he's going to take the devil and throw him in the bottomless pit. Won't that be wonderful? He's going to lock him up for a thousand years. Won't that be wonderful? And, and, and then at the end of that thousand years, the devil, the Bible says, be released for a little season. But then at the end of that, God is going to incarcerate him in the lake of fire for eternity. Won't that be wonderful? Yes. Absolutely. So Jesus has already bruised the devil's head, has already crushed the devil's head. What does the Bible say? He'll bruise, he's bruised his head already at the cross and the resurrection <laughs> but bless God the devil's got more coming can you say amen, amen. he's going in the bottomless pit and then he's going into the la- in the lake of fire is that wonderful say that that seems pretty rough pastor Terry yeah I, I want to see the devil incarcerated there you need to realize he'd come put cancer on you right today if he could. He'd put cancer on your children. He's a murderer. He's a killer. Is that right? And, and, and he won't repent. He's been given millennia to repent and he won't do it. God knew he wouldn't do it. He's not going to. And the only thing you can do with people like that is incarcerate him. The devil's not nice. But how many of you know Jesus came and bruised him? And is going to do more to him yet as we go on down the road. I like what one preacher said. He said, when the devil comes to you in thoughts and talks to you about your future and this or that and the other and says your future isn't very bright, you start talking. Yeah, your future isn't very bright. Your future isn't very bright. That's what the devil will tell you. Your future isn't very bright. It's all over. It's all over. It's, no, no, no. You just remind him where he's going. He'll flee, leave you alone. I got good news for you. If you'll walk with God and stick with him, there's good days ahead. Can you say amen? Amen. And the Spirit of God just wants me to say this. There's some folks, you just need to start laughing. You need to get alone by yourself in the closet and just start laughing at the devil. Just start laughing at the devil. There's not enough joy among, I'm off my notes now, there's not enough joy among the, the body of Christ. Needs to be more joy. Praise God. That, that chicken story I told should have left us all in stitches. That's a good, it's a good joke. And we should all be laughing at that. Amen. But more than that, we ought to get alone with God because you see there's something better than the three-legged chicken story. It's the presence of God. And you get in the presence of God. The Bible says in the presence of God, there's what? Fullness of joy. And you get full of the joy of the Lord, there'll be some laughter about you. There'll be some skip in your step, some glide in your stride, you know? Is that right? And, and it shouldn't take a three-legged chicken joke to get you laughing and having some fun. The joy of the Lord will do that. Is that right? 
Praise God. I just like having some fun. We, we ought to have us a good old laughing spell once in a while. Just get alone. Why do you say get alone? Because if you do it out in public, people think you're crazy. So just get alone with the Lord and laugh. I tell you what, you get alone with the Lord and laugh, then sometimes you get in a service like this, you know, and the Spirit of God will start moving. And, and, and if the Spirit of God's on it, sometimes you can laugh under the power of God. There's nothing quite like it. Praise God forevermore. You know, sometimes you can dance under the power of God. There's nothing quite like it. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes you weep under the power of God. There's nothing quite like it. Can you say amen? amen. And some of us, I tell you what, if you oh, I could never do that. Well, just start, start, start slow. Start out just some of us. Just start smiling. I tell you what, let's just have a little, little faith practice here. Let's just, by faith, just smile. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Let me see those pearly whites. Come on. Come on. I want to see. Okay, there you go. Praise God. Now, if you, sometimes there are circumstances going on in your life that, that, but I tell you what, just by faith, bless God, just start out doing what? Just smiling. Just smiling. Turn that frown upside down. upside down. Amen. I said, turn that frown upside down. Turn the frown upside down. Turn the frown upside down. Yeah. And let, have a little, just, just, let's all try it again. Come on. A merry heart doth good like a medicine. Is that right? And you know, you might not have a physical ailment in your body, but you know, you can be sick in your soul. Did you know that? Did you know that? I said, you could be sick in your soul. You know what I'm talking about? Your mind, your will, your emotion, your emotion, all your emotions. Emotions, emotions, emotions. My goodness gracious. But I tell you what, there's good news for you. Get alone with God, get in His Word, and I tell you what, He'll restore your soul. I said He'll restore your soul. He'll lead you by the still waters, and He'll what? Restore your soul. That's a good deal, isn't it? Now, I'm completely off my notes, but why am I talking like this? Because the Holy Ghost wants me on this for some reason. There's some folks here today, you need some soul restoring, praise God. Amen. And the only thing that will do that, now thank God for the chicken joke, but I tell you what, the chicken joke won't help you in the midnight hour. But the Word of God will. And I tell you what, circumstances, circumstance. I tell you what, if you're waiting for circumstances to make you joyful, you'll probably never be joyful because there's always circumstances that will keep you unjoyful. But you see, we don't get our joy based from circumstances and whatnot. The joy comes from the Lord. Now, happiness is, a, um, is an emotion based on circumstances. Is that right? I said happiness is an emotion based on circumstances. So sometimes you'll be happy if the circumstances are good. If the circumstances are bad, you won't be happy. But I tell you what, you can always have joy. Is that right? Because joy is not based on circumstance. Joy is based on the Word of God. So even if there's sickness in your body, you can have joy because the Bible says, by His stripes we are healed. So no matter what's going on wrong in your life, you can always have joy because joy is not based on circumstance. Joy is based on the Word of God. Can you say amen? Okay? You all right? Okay. I don't know why I got off on all of that, but somebody or several people probably need it. Now, we'll get back to the... To the teaching here. You getting anything out of this? So he shall, this is Genesis 3.15, he shall bruise your head and you, speaking to the serpent or to the devil, he shall bruise his what? His 
healing. You do see that at Calvary, don't you? Do you see that at Calvary? You, you do see that. I mean, there was there. Jesus was bruised, and 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 you see that in the beatings that Jesus took before he got to the cross. So there was some. Oh, the the Son of God, Jesus, bore such a price for us. He was beaten mercifully and died on that cross. But again, all of that is powerless if we don't have what? The virgin birth. Now look at John 1, verse 1. John 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word... Now, what was Jesus called before he was called Jesus? He was called the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, Jesus is his human name. And by the way, just so you know, Christ is not his last name. Now, a lot of people think that it is. Now, they do. I mean, I'm not putting anybody down. A lot of people think Christ is his last name. That's not his last name. Christ means anointed. Jesus, so when you read Jesus Christ, it really is translated like this. Jesus, the anointed one. Or you could say even Jesus, the Messiah. But actually, anointed, Christ means the anointing or the anointed one. How many of you know he was anointed, wasn't he? And he is the anointing. Not only was he anointed, but he is the anointing, isn't he? Praise God. I, I need to say this. The Spirit of God wants me to say this. How many of you remember Adam in the garden before he... I don't mean Adam in the sound booth. Now, I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about Adam in the garden. Anybody remember Adam in the garden? Because Adam works in the sound booth, if you know. Adam in the garden and Jesus. Now, Adam in the garden, before he fell, is known as the first Adam. Jesus is called in the New Testament the last Adam. Not the second Adam, the last. You okay? So you say, Pastor Terry, what's the difference between Adam in the garden and Jesus? Adam before he sinned and Jesus. Well, it's very simple. Both of them 100% human. Both of them 100% human. But there's one big difference. Adam in the garden before he sinned was created a little lower than God. Jesus is God. Do you get that? So they're they're the same in their humanity, but Adam can't lay his hand on deity, but Jesus can and is deity. Okay, you understand that? You got that? Okay. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, the Word what? Was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. See, one of the cults out there will tell you that he was, Jesus was the first created being. How many of you know? No. He is the creator. Yes or no? He is the creator. All things were made through him. And there's other verses in the New Testament we could look up to back that up. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the what? Light of men. Now look down at verse 14. And the word became 
flesh. There, there you have it. The conception in Mary's womb. The, virgin, the virgin's womb. And then, of course, nine months later, he was born, and he what? He dwelt among us. This is verse 14. He dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So what happened? The Word, the second member of the Trinity, became flesh. Now look at Matthew 1, verse 1. I want to, I want to, I don't think I've ever really looked at the genealogies. How many of you know that reading genealogies can be boring? The begat, so-and-so, begat, so-and-so, begat, so-and-so. But I'm telling you what, we need to be glad those begats are in there, in the Bible, because they're very powerful. You need the begats. You need to, you, I tell you what, we're going to look at the lineage of Jesus here just a little bit. There's a lineage given of Jesus in the book of Matthew and one given in the book of Luke. The one in Matthew traces, traces Joseph's lineage. The one in Luke traces Mary's lineage. Now, Jesus did not have a human father, but yet there was Joseph. Joseph, we'd call him his stepfather. I believe, and it's clear to me, that Joseph adopted Jesus. You need to understand that because of the legalities. And it's interesting, as you look here in Matthew 1, verse 1, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Now, why is that important? Because David was the king of Israel, wasn't he? Yes or no? And then it says the son of Abraham. And then if you skip down to verse 16, it says Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now here's something you need to realize, and, and, and I don't think people realize this as they should. I, I didn't realize it for a long time, and then, and then I saw it. It's very good to know. Uh, how many of you know what 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 did uh, what did Joseph do for a living? He was a carpenter. How many of you know he shouldn't have been a carpenter? Oh no, 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 no. He, he, now he was a humble, lowly carpenter. But how many of you know Joseph should have been sitting in the king's mansion because he was the king of Israel? I said, Joseph was the king of Israel. I said, Joseph, Jesus' stepdad, was the rightful king of Israel. He shouldn't have been working in the carpenter shop, in the lowly, humble carpenter shop. He should have been sitting in the king's palace because he was the rightful king of Israel, king of, king of the Jews. You understand that? So what happened, Pastor Terry? Well, if you go back in time, remember when the Jews were taken into Babylonian captivity by Nebuchadnezzar? Remember that? Well, after that, the Davidic line, I'll just put it this way, the Davidic line didn't, didn't continue there on, on the throne as it had been before. Had there not been that Babylonian captivity, guess who would have been sitting in the king's mansion? It would have been Joseph. Right? And after Joseph, legally, because Joseph, you trace it, he came down through Solomon, the kingly, the kingly line. Who would have been sitting in that king's mansion after Joseph died? Jesus. 
Jesus was the king of the Jews. Legally, physically, every way you can, can, can examine it, Jesus was the king of the Jews. When they hung that sign over him, when he hung on the cross, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. A truer statement was never, was never, was never made than that. The king of the Jews. And then, how many of you remember when they cried out to Jesus and they said, Son of David, you know, the sick people cried, Son of David, have mercy on me. How many remember that? Well, well, you read that in the New Testament. When they cried out to him, Son of David, have mercy on me, they were, they were acknowledging that he was the Messiah. That was an acknowledgement of Messiahship. Look at Luke 3.23. This was the line that was traced through Mary. This was Jesus' physical descent. Matthew traced his, his, his royal descent through Joseph, came down from David. Of course, Abraham to David through Solomon all the way down through Joseph. He adopted Jesus. He was not Jesus' natural father. Jesus didn't have a natural father. But legally, say legally, legally. But now over here in Luke, this is Jesus' physical descent through Mary. Now Mary was his natural mother. That's how Jesus became human. Verse 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry about 30 years of age being, what are those next three words? As was supposed the son of Joseph. But he really wasn't the son of Joseph. He was a stepson. That's what we'd call it. As was supposed the son of Joseph, but actually scholars will tell you that Luke's account of the genealogy of Christ is traced through Mary and son of Joseph there. Actually, they because genealogies, and in that time you under, have to understand that women didn't hold the, the place that they do now. Uh, sad to say, how many of you, you know, women are equal with men as far as I'm concerned, you know? Huh? It should be. Should, yeah, I mean, come on, guys. You better say amen. You're not going get, to get no lunch. Yeah, you study into it, you'll see that God has put the husband over the wife, you know, and he needs to love his wife and she needs to be submissive and all of that. Don't misunderstand me. But I think that, that if a woman does the same work as a man, the woman ought to get paid equal what the man gets. You okay? So let's don't get sidetracked on that. But as was supposed, the son of Joseph, they say, well, that should say Mary in there. Well, you're right, it should. But because, because men, because see, if you, look at, if you look at Matthew's account and then you look at Luke's account, jo- Joseph had two different fathers, so that's not right. They put Joseph in there because actually that would have been, Mary would have been better placed there. But because she was the husband uh, or, I'm sorry, she was the wife of Joseph and, and men had such a prominent position, particularly in genealogies. That's why they put him in there. But actually this was the descent from, from David through one of his other sons, Nathan, all the way down to Mary and then to Joseph. And this, this was Jesus' physical line. And actually if you study this one out and you look at verse 38, Luke 3, 38, it talks about there at the end, it, talk, it traces Jesus all the way back to the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. 
These begats are really cool if you, if you look at them. I don't spend much time teaching on them because people go to sleep on me. But, but actually, they're very powerful, and they need to be there. And we need to understand them at least to some degree because we need to realize who Jesus was. Jesus was exactly who he said he was. The son of the living God. Not just the king of the Jews, but the king of kings and lord of lords. The fairest among 10,000. The bright in the morning star. There's nobody like him. You'll never find anybody like Jesus. Like the old song said, ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Can anybody say amen? He's something else. I said, he's something else. You ain't never met nobody like him. I tell you what, I've preached on Moses. I've preached on John. I've preached on Peter. I've preached on Paul. I've preached on Peter, Paul, and Mary. I preach on me. I preach on all of them. But when you start preaching on Jesus, the anointing of God comes in like no other time. Glory to God. Now look, I'm going to go on a little longer. Are you getting anything out of this today? Luke 1, Luke 1, let's just go a little bit further and then we'll stop and we'll pick up next week. I get in this, this stuff, I hear I could go all day long, but I don't want to keep you here too long. So, of course, in Luke's gospel account, we're going to be looking at Luke's account and Matthew's account. Next week, we're going to look at a little bit at the star of Bethlehem, just a little bit. That, that's cool stuff there. You get in, not astrology, but astronomy and uh, astronomy is good, astrology is evil, astronomy is good. We're going to look a little bit at the star of Bethlehem. That'll be fun, but that's next week. Luke 1, verse 26, in Luke's gospel account, you pick up, of course, John the Baptist. You ever heard of John the Baptist? He was Jesus' cousin, wasn't he? And his birth is announced to Zacharias, his father, and all of that. We're not going to cover that. Let's go to Luke 1, 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, how many of you believe in angels? I I do was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. 2A, 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 help me, to a what? To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of, of the house of? See, this makes a little more sense to you now, doesn't it? To the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said, her rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice, that's, a, that's good to hear, is it? Rejoice. Highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And and she was. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. That's good news, isn't it? And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he'll be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, David wasn't his direct father, but you understand in lineage, if you trace it back, he was an ancestor. It might be better to read it like this, the throne of his ancestor, David. You might be able to, be able to better understand it. And, and David was his ancestor, wasn't it, after the flesh. On Mary, Luke's genealogy, on Mary's side through Nathan, his son, we just looked at that. Verse 33, he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there'll be no end. Yeah, I need to say that. Did you ever notice Jesus, when he walked around the shores of Galilee, he was the king, but he never called on that kingship, did he? Did he? Did he, did he, did he? I said, did he? 
No. He went about there humbly, didn't he? Didn't he? He was rightfully, did he go around and say, by golly, I ought to be in the mansion. Did he do that? And they tried, his disciples tried to get him to stand up on that, didn't they? But he said, my kingdom's not of this world. He was talking about the heavenly kingdom. And he walked about, there, there you have the king walking about humbly. And when he went in Jerusalem, he, he didn't go in riding on a white charger. He went in riding on a donkey. And the Bible said why he was on a donkey. donkey because it was to show what? Humility. And there, can you think about that? The king of the Jews, the king going into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. You ever think about that? Riding on a donkey. Humbly. But I tell you what, there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day on out in the future at the end of the tribulation period where, the, where that, that sky is going to part, bless God, and there's going to come somebody riding a white horse and he's not coming just as the king then. He's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords and you ain't seen a white horse. You think the Lone Ranger's horse silver was something. You ain't seen a horse till you've seen the horse Jesus ride. He's not coming riding on a donkey the next time. He's coming riding on that white stallion, praise God, and he's going to sit down on that white charger. He's going to get off set his feet down on the Mount of Olives then there's going to be an earthquake and that mountain's going to split we come riding with him by the way bless God can you say amen glory to God see he didn't exalt himself he humbled himself the Bible said when he was born of the virgin he humbled himself but they that humble themselves will be what exalted by almighty God in due time glory to God I don't know why that just, that just excites me Let's get back to this. The Holy Ghost wanted me to say that. It's okay if he interrupts me and has me insert something. What verse were we on? 33. He'll reign over the house of Israel, Jacob forever. Kingdom, there'll be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? That's a good question, isn't it? We're talking to virgin birther. She said, how can this be? I'm going to have a son? She said, I've never, in case you don't know, I'll, I'll put it to, so everybody can understand. She said, since I've never had sexual relations with a man. It's a good question, isn't it? And the angel answered and said to her, here we go. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's how it happened right there. There was no sexual relations between Mary and the Holy Spirit. He came upon her, moved upon her. Power of God came on her. I don't know if she felt anything or not. I don't know. She might have. She might have felt a warm glow. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit came on her and overshadowed her. The power of the highest overshadowed her. And the Holy One who's, who, who is to be born will be called the Son of God. That's how it happened. I wonder if she fell down. You think they needed a catcher? Huh? I don't know. I don't know. I'm having me a little funny there. It's okay if I'm a little funny. All right. But this is a holy thing, isn't it? One of the holiest things ever. 
Verse 36, now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month with her, who is called barren. See, Elizabeth was barren for crying out loud. But verse 37, I like verse 37, for with God, some things, a few things, nothing will be, I like serving a God like that, how about you? I like you people. You're good people. I like you too. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Now watch this. Let it be to me according to your... What did Mary do? She received the word of God. See, God didn't just come in there with that through that angel and just push himself. God doesn't push himself off on anybody. He came in. He, he, God sent the angel. Angel came in, offered her. And she said, let it be to me according to your word. And when she said that, the power of God came on her. The Holy Ghost came on her, overshadowed her. And she received the word of God. And the word was made flesh. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? And then the angel departed from her. Now look at, let's go on a little further. Look at verse 39. Uh, this is one of the best things you can do, dear friends, is just sit and read the Word of God. Amen. Don't you think? Just read the Word of God. Did you like my chicken joke? Thank you, thank you. Luke one thirty nine. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. That was her cousin. You know, Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe, now what babe is this talking about? Leaped in her womb. That's pretty neat, isn't it? Talk about a baby. Have you ever been pregnant and had the baby move? I bet this was on a different scale. This was an Olympic variety probably. I don't know. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Well, that's true. Talking about Jesus. And then verse 43 but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, who did she just call Jesus? She just called him her Lord. For indeed, as soon as the voice of her greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Well, the presence of the Lord, there's what? Fullness of joy. Blessed is she who believe, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. Let's go on here. And then notice, something happens in verse 46. In verse 46, Mary starts singing. Most scholars believe that this was a song. The song of Mary, the Magnificent of Mary, it's called. Now, I don't know for sure that she was singing, but most scholars will tell you that she was. And Mary said... Well, there you got it. Peter, Paul, and Mary, right? Sometimes people think I'm being sacrilegious, but I'm not. I love these people. How many of you love Peter, Paul, and Mary? I mean in the Bible. Yes. 
She said, my soul, you want me to sing this or do you want me to just read it? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I'll just read it. My soul magnifies the Lord. Listen, some of some we seldom ever read this. We ought to read this once in a while. I mean, here in church, you know. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the, in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. The Bible says if, you, if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So he spoke to our fathers and God's speaking to us. How has he spoke to us? Through his holy written word. Isn't that wonderful? And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Then you have the birth of John the Baptist and then we'll close in Matthew 1 verse 18. Let's close with a few more verses right here. We'll pick up next week. Now we'll look at Matthew's account, just, just a few verses here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close for the day. <clears throat> Let's see how Joseph has taken all of this. <clears throat> Matthew one eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before, notice it, real loud say before, before they came together, before they had sexual relations, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, how many of you know that had to shock him when he heard the news? Would that shock you, fellas? If you were married to a woman? Before he had sexual relations, before he got married, and, and before, he, she had, before he had sexual relations with her, she came to you and said, I'm pregnant. That wouldn't go over too good, would it? And then she said, God did it. Now, that's really not going over. Is that, is that right? I'm not being sacrilegious here. I'm just saying that, that, that's what happened right here. We need, to, we need to understand that's what happened right here. And he was, he was upset about it. To whatever degree, he was perplexed. And look, to the point, now he was a just man, not wanting to make her a public example. Well, he was a good man. He said he was a just man was minded to put her away secretly. He was going to end the relationship. I can't blame him, can you? See, we look at this story from our perspective. You've got to put yourself in Joseph's shoes. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you do that? I mean, I'd be right flat upset. You'd be, be having a long talk. I'd probably be sending you packing yourself, yeah. But while he thought about these things, now, now it's going to take some angelic help here on this one, and, and it, would, it would. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of, son of, son of, David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she, and that settled the deal, didn't it? How many of you know he needed that? 
Isn't God good? He'll give us what we need when we need it. And she'll bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. We read that in Isaiah, didn't we, when we started? Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her. What does that mean? Did not have sexual relations with her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. How many of you know Mary, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph did have sexual relations? And it was blessed by God they were married. And they had other children, sons and daughters, didn't they? Absolutely. But Jesus was the firstborn son. He was born of the virgin. And notice verse 25, and, his, and he called his name what? Jesus. Jesus. Did you get anything out of this today? Yes. See, there's rhyme to my reason here. You say, why are you sitting reading all these verses? Because, listen to me, the anointing rides on the word of God. And when we're reading all these, I know sometimes you might, well, it's a little boring, but let me tell you what, you need to realize what's going on in the spirit realm. The anointing of God rides on his word. It's going out, and all you got to do is sit there and listen to it and receive it with a believing heart. It'll go right, the power of God will ride right, on this, right on, these, on this word. It'll go right into you and heal you and help you of whatever you need healed and help of. Whether it's physical, or whether it's psychological, mental, whatever it is. Situational, whatever it is. Can you say amen? amen? Stand with me if you would. Remember, meet Pastor Diane back at the tree there. And... Uh, We'll pick up with this next week. Uh, we're going to look at Jesus, more, more about Bethlehem. We're going to look at Bethlehem and what happened there and the shepherds and the angelic choir and his circumcision and the wise men from the east and, and that star and look at who the wise men were. And it'll be good. Come back and get in on that. It's going to be really good. Bow your heads with me if you would course there'd be people up here to pray with you if you need prayer for anything if you've never received Jesus you know you come up and receive him if you need to if you need prayer in another area of your life these folk are up here to you know pray with you father I thank you for your goodness I thank you for your mercy and most of all sir I thank you for Jesus that you sent him and that he was willing to come grateful that Mary received the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and through him we have grace and truth and light wisdom and